It's great to be out in this country air, living this country lifestyle. Now, Rose, into the Bohemian Forest. Here is your coat companion. Hello, listeners. Welcome back. Yes, welcome back to the Goat American novel. We can trust our listeners now, right? They know what this is. They know to start at the start. It's a serial podcast. Start at the start. If you don't start at the start, you're just not going to understand the complex hierarchy of the goat herd. Critical context. And who are you? Tell the people who you are. I'm Ursula Buker, children's library consultant and person who drinks from the far side of the glass. And I'm Erin Alden, producer and woman sitting next to you on the bus with a raincoat full of rescue kittens. And we are your guides to the Goat American novel. Is there anything new for our listeners, Erin? Yes, there is. A little housekeeping to start. Please come and follow us at Goat American Novel Pod on Instagram. Also, keep your eyes open for a map of the farms and a guide to the characters, which will be going up soon on our Podbean website. This will help you get more fully immersed into the story. Fully immersed. Exactly, Ursula. What happened last week? We heard a terrifying rural legend which may or may not haunt this entire story. Who's to say? Who's to say? And we saw FM's pets, the living and the departed, insist she take a seaside vacation. Any content warnings for this episode? Only if you're afraid of squirrels. Okay, well what's happening this episode? This episode we see FM make preparations to leave. She's gonna need someone to take care of her animals while she's away. But we start with a squirrel. Any squirrel in particular? A squirrel with a bad habit. I'm ready. Up in a hazelnut tree, whose branches waved over FM's cabin, a squirrel named Zipnog was listening at FM's window. Sound of feet on the floor, Zipnog whispered, flicking her great brown and gray tail. She squeezed a clutch of golden dry corn, which she held in each paw. Corn brings the chickens. The corn brings the chickens. Zipnog chanted to herself under her breath. Sound of greeting, horrible dog. Morning, Pearl. She waited. Sound of big scary water whoosh. Morning, Pearl. She strained her little velvet ears. Sounds of rustling. The corn brings the chickens. The chickens bring the noise. The noise brings the human. The human brings the brown. Zipnog said quietly to herself as she listened to the sounds of FM's clothes gently rustling within the cabin. FM's voice rang out then and song poured out of the cabin window. Take me to the river. Put me in the water. Take me to the river. Drop me in the river. I guess the seaside really, not the river, is where I'm going. Oh, dear. Mysterious, lengthy, morning howling, Zipnog murmured. And then, and then, she quivered 
at the sound she'd been waiting for. Clinks and clicks and clatters. Zipnog's stomach shivered and rolled. A steam kettle whistled then, its billows rolling out the window, and Zipnog turned her attention from ears to nose. Nose which twitched above the window. Now, now, she was smelling. Smell of bread on fire. Smell of bitter drink. Smell of, smell of. Her nose twitched, searching. Smell of. She squeezed her clutch of corn again. Smell of brown. The moment her nose confirmed it, she sprang into action. She ran along the length of the branch to perch directly over top of FM's chickens, who hung around in their pen, waiting for their breakfast. <laughs> Zipnog yelled down at the chickens. They all turned their heads up to stare at her with one peering sideways eye each. Zipnog dropped a single piece of corn on the ground, just a little ways on from the hen huddle. The hens pounced as one. Zipnog moved two feet along her branch and dropped another piece of corn. The chickens followed. The corn brings the chickens. Zipnog assured herself as she dropped the corn along the chickens' trail. She moved and dropped, moved and dropped, and the chickens followed her trail. When she dropped her fifth piece of corn, the chickens found themselves standing at the woven fence line that separated them from FM's prize pumpkin patch. Zipnog moved over the fence line. The chickens bring the noise, Zipnog said, before she dropped the last piece of corn down right into the pumpkin patch. The chickens flapped up as one up to cross the high, willow-woven fence. But, some crashing into it and some making it over, the thrashing of their claws and flapping of their wings could not fail to trigger the line of little brass alarm bells strung up around the pumpkin patch. And a great ringing went up. The noise brings the human, Zipnog said, hopefully, staring at the door. And indeed, the door flew open. FM ran out, waving her arms. Her arms, at the end of which were her hands. And these hands were not empty. The human brings the brown. The human brings the brown. The human brings the brown. Zipnog chanted silently inside her head. Out! Out of there! <coughs> FM called, and she ran, chasing the chickens back over the fence. The chickens clucked and scattered, and FM pursued. When the last chicken had been caught and thrown back over the fence and the pumpkin patch was secure, FM stood, catching her breath and surveying the fence line. Zipnog trembled, dropped down to a low branch, and could not keep herself from flicking her tail in anticipation. FM looked up, straight at Zipnog. Every morning, FM said, Every morning they try the pumpkin patch. Every single morning. They never learn. There's nothing in there for them anyway. And they only try in the morning. Where I'm right on hand to get them right back in. Why do you suppose that is? Zipnog quivered. She didn't like the eye contact from the human, but she could smell the brown. So strong now. The brown was out here. 
near. So near. FM pursed her lips, staring directly at Zipnog. I know you have something to do with this, she said, but I don't know exactly what. There was a long pause. Then a tiny corner of FM's mouth twitched. And then she ripped off a little hunk of something in her hand and tossed it to the ground underneath Zipnog. And as FM went back into the cabin, Zipnog fell to the ground, where the brown was waiting, the glorious brown, and she grabbed the gooey, slathered hunk of burnt bread to her mouth, the sweet, rich, creamy, sticky, gooey brown, and was in heaven. minutes later, FM licked the last of the Nutella. Chocolate hazelnut spread off the corner of her mouth as she walked up the path that led to her closest neighbor's house. She didn't use the road, but walked instead on a well-worn path through her goat pasture, over and under three fences, and into a sumptuous cottage garden. I beg your pardon, she sang, trailing her fingers over a bush of shocking pink roses. I never promised you a rose garden. You have a beautiful singing voice, F.M., said a voice coming from inside a rose bush. F.M. pulled up short and smiled. She parted the bush and peered inside. Are the roses talking to me? A puckish, cherubic face grinned back at her. You know it isn't the roses. Layla, Millicent's middle child and a great friend of FM, was sitting inside the shade of the bush. Layla had two dolls in dramatic poses in front of her ever-present phone, which was in reality a block of wood. What are you up to today, Miss Layla? I'm making a snap video. It's about two Girl Scouts. They get separated from the rest of the troop in the Bohemian Forest, and they almost starve to death. But then they fall in love and rob a bank together. I can't wait to watch the video, FM answered. You know I don't have a real phone, Layla said. She picked up the block of wood and held it in front of her face. I just have this. Then posed for a selfie. Click. It looks like you're doing great to me. F.M. said. I brought you something. F.M. reached into her basket and pulled out a little porcelain figurine of a goat. She handed it to Layla. It's from my collection of porcelain goats. F.M., I love your porcelain goats! I know. I've seen how you look at them when you come to visit me in my cabin. She's so beautiful. She can't wait to be in the video. When the Girl Scouts rob the bank... She'll drive the getaway wagon. FM smiled. Layla, I wanted to ask for your help. Because I'm a bit nervous about something. I'm going to go away for a few days. Which is something I've never really done before. I'm going to ask your brother to take care of my animals. Layla wrinkled her nose. My brother? That's a horrible idea. Let the pigs into the garden. 
try to get the goats to pull his wagon. He'll eat every single egg for himself. I think we might be talking about a different brother, FM said gently. Oh, you mean Sawyer. Yeah, that makes way more sense. I thought you were talking about Arcturix, and I was like, um, but yeah, okay, I guess Sawyer could take care of your animals. He's home from college now. I'm glad you approve, but I was wondering if you could help, too. I'm worried about my dog, Pearl. I think Pearl is going to be very lonely while I'm away. Could you come and visit her sometimes to give her some attention? Layla put her hands solemnly over her heart. I would be honored to take care of Pearl. Thank you, FM said. Well, I'd better let you get back to your U-Snap video. In fact, Layla was already placing the two dolls around the porcelain goat. Now, Rose, into the Bohemian Forest. Here's your goat. FM continued down the garden path. As she left the roses and came to the jungly wisteria that stood close to the house, she suddenly turned her head up to look at the sky and began humming, That Saskatoon moon, because she had caught sight of Millicent, deep in the wisteria jungle, with only her bottom showing, a heart-shaped bottom all covered in fern-print linen, poking out of a jungle of immaculately kept flowers. Oh, it's you. You startled me. Millicent shriek popped out of the jungle, scattering blossoms all around. What do you think of these wisteria, FM? Millicent didn't wait for FM's answer, but went on. Do you suppose that the word wisteria comes from the word wistful? Millicent launched into these thoughts about the wisteria and the meaning of it with a certain look in her eye which F.M. recognized from many years' experience. When that certain look was in Millicent's eye, it would be a little time before they got through Millicent's fantasy and were able to get down to the business at hand. F.M. didn't mind. Do you suppose that wisteria stands for wistfulness? In the language of flowers? F.M. tilted her head as if to tune in to the answer. I don't know. It's a good question, though. I wish I knew the language of flowers, F.M. I really do. That sounds very interesting, F.M. answered. I came to ask you, Millicent, is your boy at home? Imagine. You go to a ball and your beloved is there. He is wearing a single white lily over his breast to represent faithfulness or something. FM's eyes twinkled, and she decided to play along. He passes you the lily before the dance. But during the waltz, you are approached by a charming stranger. You dance the rest of your dances with the stranger. You save the last dance for the one who brought you, FM improvised. But at the end of the night... You have turned the lily upside down. With that, Millicent threw the wisteria blossom on the pavement and swooned dramatically. FM waited a patient beat, then asked, Is your boy at home? I wish I knew the language of flowers, Millicent answered. Yes, seems like no one knows the language of flowers anymore. F.M. paused respectfully to click her cheek at the passing of the language of flowers. Then, 
But is your boy at home? But why? Why don't young people use the language of flowers anymore? Well, I guess it's because they have texting. That's probably a good thing. It's best to be direct. I came to ask you, is your boy at home? Who, Ar Artrix? Of course he's at home. I couldn't send him anywhere. He's covered in dirt. Uh, no, I mean the older one. A cloud passed over Millicent's eyes. Oh, Sawyer, he's home all right. And it's another 3.5 weeks until he goes back. Millicent raised her head over a hedge of roses. Sawyer! From the far distance came an answering yell. What is it, Mother? FM wants to talk to you. Oh, okay. Now, Sawyer! Coming! He's out at the barn. FM nodded and hummed an old song about love as a rose. Here he comes, Millicent murmured. Third-year literature majors read a lot of books, you know. I imagine they do, FM answered. A lot of books. A youth came down the path, work gloves on his hands and wisps of straw in his hair. This was Sawyer, Millicent's eldest child, big brother of Layla and Arcturix, third-year literature major who came home every summer to do back-breaking alpaca work and the bulk of the parenting which happened in that home. Sawyer was a classic older child, hardworking, responsible, and deeply invested in his special interests, as well as his reputation as a responsible lad. Oh, hello, FM. It's very nice to see you, Sawyer said formally. And he shook her hand, as though she had not known him as a baby. Hello, Sawyer. It's good to see you, too. I see you're pruning the wisteria, Mom. You know, I was just reading about this. Did you know that, in European cultures, wisteria represents romance? But in Korea and Japan, it's completely different. In the East, wisteria symbolizes wisdom and creativity. Sawyer offered this rush of information with a cheerful flush of pleasure in his topic. His mother was less cheerful to hear it. Well, now we know. Now we know everything. Mystery over. You know, Sawyer, we were just talking about that, F.M. offered, but Sawyer was not through. You know, it's really fascinating. People actually used to use something called the language of flowers. You see, in medieval times, young people of the opposite sex weren't allowed to talk to each other privately, so they used something called the language of flowers as a secret code. Dear, I think FM needs your help on the farm. Oh, sure. Of course, FM. I'm happy to help. What do you need? Well, I just... I... I just got the idea that I should... You know, go to the seaside. FM, overcome by a blush, had to pause here. It's funny you should say it that way, the seaside. It reminds me that, well, in Victorian times, when doctors didn't know how to cure someone's illness, because doctors in those days didn't really understand anything, well, if they didn't know what to do, they would tell their patients to take the seaside cure, which just basically meant to hang out at the beach, but the beach was set up like a hospital. Hmm, that is interesting, FM said. And FM, don't you have arthritis or something? Sawyer went on. 
Mm-hmm. F.M. answered, a little awkwardly. You know, the doctors back then would have definitely told you to take the seaside cure. Though F.M. hated to cut Sawyer off, all of his talk about the seaside cure was cutting a little too close to home for her, and F.M. decided that if she didn't want to start talking about her dog and former cat dressed up as plague doctors and giving her a prescription for the seaside cure, she'd probably better stick to the facts. Well, anyway, I need someone to feed all the animals and milk the goats and collect the eggs. Can you do that? I'll, I'll pay you, she said. I'd be happy to help. When do I start? Tomorrow. I'm driving out tonight. I like a night drive. Can you come over this afternoon and I'll show you the chores? Okay. See you this afternoon. later, F.M. consulted her list. She frowned at the next item on that list. No more putting it off. Has to be done before I go. She went into her pantry and pulled out some of the choicest goodies. A bottle of elderberry liqueur, a wheel of hard cheese, some smoked bacon, a pumpkin tart, and packed them in a little basket she liked to use for such occasions. She nodded to herself, settled the basket under her arm, and headed out the cabin door. F.M. walked down her lane and took a left turn onto the road, then another left. She walked past the abandoned westerly barn with its roof falling gracefully in, and she admired the color of the ancient hand-cut cedar planks underneath the peeling paint. It was so beautiful in the afternoon light. She thought, as she always did, of the way the barn told a story of hundreds of cows being born and raised and milked. But also, it told the story of decay, of the slow weight of time, of gravity and weather, destroying by inches a place that was once the heart of a farm's life, of a whole small town's life. She passed a line of aspen trees as she made her way past the long spine of the barn and arrived, finally, at the driveway. A newly paved driveway, still smelling of hot, fresh tar, that led to the newly built house that had been built on top of the demolished remains of the old westerly farmhouse. F.M. looked up at the new house, puffed out her cheeks in a sigh, <sighs> patted her little hamper for moral support, and headed up the driveway. Little boxes on the hillside, little boxes made a ticky-tack, she began, but interrupted her own broadcast. Well, it's not exactly little, is it? She was nearly at the house now. My whole cabin could fit in one of the garages, she said to herself, but who knows, maybe they've got three generations living here. She reached the imposing front door, 
found the doorbell, and pressed it. From far in the back of the house, she heard footsteps. After some time, the door swung open, and a man about FM's age stood behind it. He was wearing sunglasses in his house. That was the first thing she noticed. And she did also notice that he was wearing some kind of workout outfit made out of some kind of space-age fabric. FM noticed this right away. She took it all in. This was not just any old fabric he was wearing. No, this was smart fabric. It had brains of its own. And it wicked water. It reflected heat. It monitored your electrolyte levels. It beeped when you reached your target heart rate zone, and it, and it beeped again when you needed to stop and hydrate. But if you didn't stop, well, this outfit would call 911 for you. An FM, who had a keen eye and never missed anything, would normally have stopped to take a moment to think about this very special fabric and very special workout outfit, and to wonder if maybe she might make use of amazing technology like that. Maybe she could get an outfit that would give her a massage when her rheumatism started acting up and read her a romance novel to help her sleep. But she didn't take the time to think about any of that. She only had time to notice the sunglasses and the special outfit before turning all of her attention to the seven-foot-long emerald green thick-as-a-tree-trunk snake riding on the man's shoulders. Oh, hello, F.M. said, recovering her composure as quickly as she could. I'm your new neighbor. She tried to look at the man, but the snake's tongue kept going in and out. Well, good morning, good morning, the man said in a voice strangely similar to the voices used by FM radio DJs everywhere, the Scotties and Jacks who play classic rock in the morning and make complaint jokes about new drivers and young people these days. The man's face, as he said, Well, good morning, good morning, struck FM as sort of plastic, like maybe he was actually a kid's toy that could only say ten things, then snap back into the grin. But there was nothing plastic about the snake. It undulated its long body constantly, slithering around its perch of the man's rock-solid and unwavering shoulders in their very special workout outfit. I, I came to welcome you to the neighborhood. Thanks. The man took an enormous showy inhale through his nostrils. Thanks, yeah. It's great to be out in this country air living this country lifestyle. It occurred to FM that he sounded like he was reading from a script about the country lifestyle. Oh, where are my manners? I brought you this. She offered the hamper. It's some goodies from my farm. There's some bacon and some cheeses and some elderberry liqueur in there. Great, great, the man said, taking the hamper without looking at it. Maybe you can share it with your snake. Ha! No! Elvis eats a very specialized diet. Oh, I love Elvis, FM said, feeling that this interaction was really going sideways, but she didn't know how to get it back on track. I mean, I love Elvis the singer, although your snake is is very handsome also. Elvis rippled spectacularly across his human's stationary shoulders. Oh, he's not named after the singer. 
He's named after 1990s figure skating sensation Elvis Stoiko, a man of unparalleled athleticism and a master of form. Oh, well, I suppose that's more appropriate for a snake than naming him after a singer. Yes, I don't listen to music. Any music? The beat bothers me. FM struggled to find words. Well, she offered, I'm sure you'll find our country neighborhood nice and quiet. Yes, that's why I moved out here, away from the prying eyes of the city. Here I can live in the way that really feels right to me. Mm-hmm, she managed. FM decided that it was time to say her goodbyes and retreat, but then she caught sight of the old barn in the corner of her eye, and she stopped herself from leaving just yet. Do you mind me asking? I, I just, I can't help but wonder, you know... We've all gotten so used to the sight of it. Do you plan to tear down the old barn? Ha! No, no. I think I'll find a perfect use for it. The man's eyes twinkled with their first sign of emotion. F.M. found herself hoping very much she would never have reason to know what this perfect use was. One of the reasons I came today, F.M. began at the exact moment the man said, I didn't catch your name. Excuse me, I'm quite distracted by Elvis. My name is F.M. F.M.? Like the radio? I'm a radio man myself. I noticed that in your voice. I started out as an F.M. morning DJ. And now I buy up local radio stations and turn them into national talk radio syndicates. He grinned, as if this were the most wonderful news in the world. Oh, well... No more bothersome beat, I suppose. Huh. That's right. No more bothersome beat. Yeah. Well, Scott, it's nice to meet you. FM sensed that he was about to interrupt again, but she knew she couldn't stand to hear another word about the buying up, melting down, and sale for parts of local FM radio stations. Not if she wanted to remain polite and keep good terms with this new neighbor, so she pressed firmly on. I came to let you know that I'm going to be away for a week, but that if any of my animals break out, you can go and get Sawyer from the fresh-cut flowers farm just next to my place. He's taking care of my livestock while I'm away. Welcome to the neighborhood, Scott, and goodbye, Elvis. Fearing to be drawn into any more conversations about unparalleled athleticism or national talk radio syndicates, FM nodded her head and turned back down the road. Once she was safely turned away from his driveway, she shook herself out and sang, It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor, won't you be mine, won't you be mine. High in a tree, above FM's cabin, the squirrel named Zipnog 
curled her tail around herself. She could hear the familiar sounds that were the lullaby of her life on the farm. The goats and the pigs in the distance, the chickens crooning to themselves close by. And as she drifted off for her afternoon nap, Zipnog whispered to herself, The corn brings the chickens. The chickens bring the noise. The noise brings the human. The human brings the brown. Tomorrow, and the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that, and every day until the end of time, the human brings the brown. The human brings the brown. our episode thanks for listening man don't those horns sound sweet our eternal gratitude to the steam brass band definitely check them out on youtube they have so many great brass band covers of pop tunes up there i think they have a version of bad guy uh just delicious the Goat American novel, as always, is written and performed by me, Hildy Festerling, uh, with additional performances by Ursula Bucher, Johnny Bucher, Aaron Alden, Gabriel Alden, and Caleb Alden. Oh, wow. wow. Their voice work in this episode was so inspiring to me. Um, this week, we have a special shout out, too, to some of the creators over at Free Sound who created the bird songs and the kitchen sounds that made this episode really come alive. So thanks to Dibco, Manhawks, Applesauce AV, and Inspector J, uh, some of the Foley sound creators over there at Free Sounds. And thanks for that great resource. Do come and follow us on Instagram, Goat American Novel Pod. We have some really fun things happening over there, some goat videos coming out soon. Also up on our Podbeam website, our homepage. I'll have a link in the show notes. Um, we have, we'll have soon, if we don't have already up, a character listing and a map. Because, you know, we confess this is a complicated story. It's okay to refer back to your notes. Hey, what goat is that? Um, and, uh, yeah, please, if you're listening, drop us a line. Send us a note. Let us know who in your family is listening. Um, tell us what you do while you're listening. We'd really love to hear about that. And uh, we'd also love to take your questions. We'd really love to hear what are people wondering about the Goat American novel? What are the questions that people want to know um, about the story or how the story was made? So drop us a line, goatamericannovel at gmail.com. Oh, I think we might actually have a little mini episode uh, treat coming out for you. The podcast just produces a lot of art, a lot of background art can't help coming out of this uh, collaboration that we have going on over here. So um, look forward to that probably next Friday. There's just going to be a little treat coming out um, ahead of our regular episode, episode five coming out in two weeks. Okay, bye. Have sweet dreams.